Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 21 Gun Podcast. I mean, what's going on? Jeremy, come hey, on. I'm trying here. It's, 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 hey, there you are, guys. Which one am I looking at? No, give me the give me the number one camera up here. The, there we go. The one that makes me look handsome. <laughs> here, I'll do it. I'll handsome. Do it. Here we go. Oh, there uh, you go. Thank what's you. happening? Jeremy's down in Key West, Florida. I'm actually up here in North Carolina. If you look at the little sign here, it says the North Carolina Studio. Um, and look at this is my <laughs> this is my co-host today. Um, I guess we can cheater. He's great. He actually, it's my kids, one of my kids, um, uh, we call this thing, uh, Christmas tree with an elf on it. So, uh, we lost someone big this, this year. And I think the only way when explaining this to Marines is to compare it to, um, Chesty Puller. I mean, that's, that's what I think, but, but Chuck Yeager had the allure, I think for anybody who was in the military. I mean, the guy was just, an absolute stud. And when I was a kid, so we're talking back in like 85, uh, my dad brought home the movie, The Right Stuff. And I watched it. And the very first half, there's an actor named um, Sam Shepard. He played Chuck Yeager. The first, actually, I want to say like the first third of the movie is all Chuck Yeager and just all the crazy shit he would do. Like he took the F-104 up to basically the edge of space and then crashed it. Uh, He was the first guy to break the sound barrier. I mean, he was just a true, true uh, aviator. So the second I saw that, I was like, that's what I'm going to do someday and, and not fly at that point, but I wanted to go into, uh, the military and do something like that. Uh, maybe be an astronaut. Maybe I still can be an astronaut No, but anyways, they, um, so yeah, I, I was really, um, I was, re- he became my childhood hero. So I was like the only kid I knew with a Chuck Yeager poster on my wall. Uh, and then about 10 years ago, less than that, about eight years ago, a good friend of mine, he uh, is a filmographer, he's a director, and he was directing uh, uh, Chuck Yeager Breaking the Sound Barrier again at the age of 89. And he knew that this guy was a hero of mine, and this was actually out in Vegas, at, uh, I think it's Nellis out there. And he's like, hey, do you want to be my grip or gaff? Something like that. Something like a, a person that carries stuff around while you're filming. So I went and I got to spend the day with Chuck Yeager. And it was like, it to me, it was like, he's such a legend and he's such a folk hero that it's like, standing next to Mickey Mantle I know, or, or Christopher Columbus or someone like that you've only heard about. And now here he was in the flesh. So um, yeah, I was bummed this week. Guy was awesome. He was like 99 years old, 97 years old. So he lived a good life. Uh, he, somehow, somehow he survived all that stuff. So tonight's warrior of the week is Chuck Yeager. And sir, thank you for the joy that you brought me in my life. All right, Jeremy, why don't you hop up here? Figure I'd come by and say hi now. Yeah, what's going on after you totally screwed up those cameras? We went over this. It was like, yeah, it was man. Like I was just trying to get the page set up, taken down, because you know how sometimes when it ends, it wants to play a new ad after it. So I was trying to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Fuck that up. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, it's It happens, man. Not a big deal. I'm beat. Uh, I am free. If you notice, you're beat. What did you do today, man? The mustache is not only here to stay, it has been really programmed, <laughs> recarved into my face because COVID is everywhere. So I went from seeing like six patients a week with COVID. It was kind of a rare thing, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. 
to like 12 a day. And it's just, it's annoying because you're constantly putting the gear on and constantly taking it off. And well, yeah, because COVID is everywhere now. So you got to be careful with that. It is, it is super everywhere. And again, you know, it's one of those things. If you fall in a certain category of people, uh, take it seriously. Even if you don't take it seriously, because you don't want to get someone sick that doesn't want to be sick. Hey, do you know what's weird? Remember when this whole thing kicked off and you were like, it's nothing. And now it's okay. So it's still nothing because people aren't dying like they said they would. Now people being idiots, that's their own fault. That's not my fault. That's true. The the hospitals are getting filled up, though, which is a little concerning from a medical provider standpoint. Because people are now getting tested. Well, no. See, I thought about that, too. So remember, I have a little analytical mind here. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, let's say it was out before. Just because you test doesn't mean more people are going to have to go to the ICU. More people go to the ICU when more people get sick and they get in that situation where they can't breathe. So a lot of people say they were sick in in February, early February and early March, because there was something going around. It was horrible. Um, and I, but the hospitals weren't filled up. So I don't think that was it. And that's just my, my personal opinion. You know what they say about opinions? Mine are always right. I mean, but that's the point of an opinion. We don't know if it's really right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a good show tonight. Uh, like I said, well, Jeremy's down in Key West and beautiful Key West, hanging out with all the irreverent warriors down there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, we have uh, Earl Granville coming on. If you guys watched the uh, Silky's Hike episode, or if you listened to the Silky's Hike episode, I put out like a little teaser trailer and it was uh, Earl talking to Brandon Traster. And I heard Earl's story. That I, I'd never heard it because Brandon... Uh, sent me the the audio clip and I just edited it together and I was like, man, this guy's got a fucking crazy story. So I reached out to him. And the weird thing is I was like, let's just do whatever today is. Let's do the 10th. And then like two days ago, we realized that Jeremy's down in Key West and Earl's down in Key West. So we figured let's bring you guys together in the room. Great time to put them together. Awesome. Got the casting bed. I mean, couch going and it's, it's a good time, man. We have someone else back there. I think I saw Callie. I don't know her last name. I forget her last name. That's Callie Wayne back there. Yes, she's, uh, she made the hike uh, last minute, but it's good to have people down, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyone else there? Anyone else in the uh, remote studio? In the remote studio? No, it's uh, we got our buddy back here, waiting to waiting to come on, sharing a, sharing a beer, and uh, we had a couple people coming on, but somebody tested for Rona, or may have tested for Rona, so we're trying not to get infected. So I'm okay with that. Before we get too much into the um, the announcements, what the, what's this about Nick Seawall and what is he doing with what? All right. So tonight, Kayla Kavanaugh and a couple other people have put on a fundraiser. They've raised about, they're on the track for raising about close to two grand and they were doing dildo racing. And it's a big, you know, those big boards you put like a match bar, matchbox car on, you lift it up and it shoots down and whatever gets first. Yeah. It's vibrating dirty. dildos that vibrate to the bottom and then you place your bets and then they raise money. Are you serious? Where are they doing that? They're doing it at a local bar. It's uh, called Mary Ellen's. It's uh, it's somewhere somewhere downtown. I was supposed to go down there, but I mean, we got priorities, but uh, he was saying it's a, it was a good idea. They're raising money even before the hike. And some of the and some of these dildos are going like 170 bucks, and it's great. They're they're taking giant, big, flaccid ones, and if you stick it to the bullseye, people donate money. It's really cool. That's uh, yeah. I, is is Nick a, a marine? I believe Nick is a marine. I actually never really asked him, but I'm 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 just, we'll go with yes, and then we just verify later. That's usually what we do with facts, right? Whenever I hear of dildo play, I think marines only because I saw that video on the um. There was some mew. And they stuck it on the wall and he deep throated it. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was not me. 
That was good stuff, dude. Were you ever on a mew? I was never on a mew. Now I have put trucks onto a boat or ship, whatever you navy guys and then ladies call it, but I've never actually been on a mew before. I was I actually went to combat. Oh, I hear a lot of people. This is kind of news, topical news. A lot of people are bummed over the. Uh, I I don't even know. They're they're scrapping some ship. The Navy scrapping some ship that caught fire this year, and everyone, all these people are putting on Facebook like, "Oh, I served on that. I did such and such a mew on that." You know anything so, about that? So yeah, um, um, one of my close friends, his daughter's boyfriend, who's in the Navy, lives out in Coronado. He was stationed on that ship. They had just put everything on this ship ready to go out to sea. And then the, the ship caught fire. It was an engineer, some kind of electrical explosion. The whole ship burned down. It was a very famous ship. I can't remember what it was. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I know but, a, lot of, um, a lot of people were on that. Uh, that a couple ship. people did get injured. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, live Christmas episode is supposed to be this week on December 15th. Here's the problem. Uh, I'm getting exposed multiple, multiple times a day uh, with COVID. So I don't think it's responsible enough for me to go there and cause an exposure at my buddy's bar, especially with the way Cooper's treating people. I shouldn't get political, but the way people are treating bar owners and restaurant owners. So I am going to back out. We might still have something with Jeremy. We're going to try to figure that out. Maybe we can do something like we're doing tonight. Um, but if you are in Clayton, there's no reason why you can't head down, or actually if you're in Raleigh or anywhere, if you're in this area, head over to Revival 1869. Still, even though we won't be doing the um, the live show, uh, head down there and support a Marine, uh, support a military supporter. And uh, also he's going to be giving away meals from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, turkey, ham, or I don't free. have this in front of me for free. So yeah, if you guys, I don't know, a lot of you guys are single or whatever, or, uh, you're going to be lonely on Christmas, head down there. It doesn't matter. You, you can be a veteran. You don't have to be a veteran. You can be whatever. You can be a multi-billionaire who owns restaurants. You can still go down there and get a free meal. So that's going to be, um, good. I, I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I should do about going there. Also my elderly, they'd be pissed if they heard me say that my elderly parents are going to be in town and, uh, I, I just got to. I got to make sure we're keeping them safe and everything. So on right. December, I mean, go ahead. got to have a little fun and got to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's basically what it is, right? You have to, you have to look at your situation, look at your risk factors. Um, if I get it, I'm going to be fine, but if they get it, they won't be. So, you know, that's, it's just one of those things you got to do. So it's all uh, about it's, making the right choice, man. Especially if you're at a hike, yeah. cough, cough, not COVID. Yeah. Um, do the right thing, get tested, and just try not to infect others. Don't be that asshole. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Um, what else? December 17th, we are still going to be yes. doing the DOD. I fucked this whole joke up last time. We're going to try it right this time. The Department of Defense contacted me, and they said, we need to know who the smartest branch is. And I said, duh, it's freaking Air Force. But then I realized we have the Space Force now, and they're like the smarter one. I would assume they're smarter ones. They're in space, right? That's like freaking Star Trek shit. So I have no idea. Uh, they want me to find out who the smartest branch is. So I invited someone from the Marine Corps, someone from the Navy, someone from the Army, Air Force. And yes, we have someone coming from the Space Force. And we're going to do a quiz show to find out who actually is the smartest. I have not found. And before you get mad at me, Coast Guard, you guys came after me a few years ago because I made fun of you. And guess what? I make fun of every branch equally, even the Air Force, but uh, whatever. No one is signing up from the Coast Guard. So if you are in the Coast Guard and you think you can um, represent 
the what is it department of homeland security or department of transportation wherever you guys work out of same if thing you can represent them then absolutely hop on we've got one hike left it's in two days it's in key west florida we've already talked about it. i don't know what else we have to say on there oh silkies and sequins jeremy has an announcement yes yeah, so silkies and sequins friday night it will be open for bets to come now if you have not bought a ticket um, you cannot eat, uh, purchase or go for the, the buffet food that's being provided, but everyone else is encouraged to show up. Granted, you also did not test positive for COVID. Just it's a thing going on down here. We are taking every precaution, but make sure that if you've gotten tested, you've, you have you have negative and it's all being handled, but I hope to see everyone there dress up in your best silk and sequins you outfit or just silkies or whatever best gown you have. Just, just show up and have a good time. Does your do your guests in that room? Do they realize that we're doing a radio show right now? Oh, they know we're doing a radio show. Yeah, they. I guess they. Uh, I should have told them. Hey, they can also be heard. But it's okay. We're. Right. I keep. I keep. I keep managing and muting when I can. Um, we won't get time's going by, so we won't uh, pull them up. But uh, obviously, we have new silkies. Go over to Reverend Warriors, buy some stuff. Go to Twenty One Gun, Twenty One Gun, spell it out. Go buy some stuff. Uh, Grunt Style has our shirts now. I think. I don't think Grunt Style needs our help with advertising, but it's always cool because right. they are in a um, partnership with us now, and uh, I think it would be great to go down there. Uh, I have mine. It hasn't arrived yet, but I have one for me and my wife, uh, the Grunt Style shirts. Um, I mean, I if think- anything, just for a quick one, you know, just in case, just because of time time frame, everybody say hi. Say hi, hi Callie. Yeah, put 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 Callie on. We can we can talk to her. Come on over. I don't like how there's all these freaking screens, but we can't do anything for people at home. Uh, each one of these screens has its own sound and mic input. So we can't, in some cases, we can't get rid of some. What is happening here? Let's do it like this. So Callie, I heard it was last minute um, that you decided to go to Key West. What made you decide to go down there this year? Um, well, I had promised a lot of people months ago that I need to go so i was like all right yeah i, I get yeah, it i'll still go how many hikes have you been on now because i've i've met you at two or three hikes and i think that's my that's all i've been on but um yeah how, how many have you been on um i think i did 10 last year holy shit i'm on like four this year and then one the year prior cool and you were a, a former marine correct mm-hmm See, I remember, you know, you would think I remember actually, but I can just tell now. I hang out with so many freaking veterans now that I know who's a, <laughs> who's a Marine and who you isn't. You can tell which branch, yeah. Absolutely. Um, what do you get personally out of the hikes? Uh, the camaraderie, definitely. I love making new friends like Jeremy and Earl. They're one of my closest from these hikes. Um, nice. Basically just spreading awareness for veteran suicide is huge to me because I personally lost like I think it's five this year so far holy shit yeah that's crazy um I had some note I can't remember I can look at my notes here um yeah the numbers aren't going down and that's the that's the shitty thing they were we were doing really well I would like to say for for veteran suicide and then COVID kicked in and we kind of knew like when it happened we're like Ugh, lockdowns are not going to be good for people because the number one killer is isolation. And what what are we doing? We're taking people who who isolate or they self isolate, and it it just destroys their mental health. And now we're forcing them to do it. And it's like, and in the same in the same breath, you're like, 
uh, you're taking people who are 25, 26, 30, 35, who are fit and healthy. And you're saying, yeah, you can't go out. And it's like, God damn it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what did they expect? Uh, I totally expect it. It's, I think suicides in the veteran community are 20% this year. So I don't know what that number comes out to. Uh, I'd rather not know what it is, but yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate it. Jeremy. Yes, sir. Did you, I, I, I wrote it somewhere here in the notes and I can't find the damn thing. Uh, now, blame we'll it on the notes, Kevin. Blame it on yeah, the notes. Yeah. No, I know I wrote this down. It had something to do with veteran suicide. I don't know if you remember where it is, but um, whatever. It's a freaking tragedy, and it's still happening. And what are you going to do about it? <sighs> oh man, are you talking about? Uh, oh, I think I actually saw it earlier. Yeah. No, not, not that one. Not that. Oh one. well. Well, we will move on. Uh, you want some news from the AOR? Always want some news from the AOR. Why not? I'm going to call it news from the OR. I like this part. So here's the cool thing, right? If you are in the Air Force, uh, good news. So <laughs> when I was a navigator, I had a buddy, giant dude. Uh, I won't call out his name, Scott Watches, but he uh, he always failed the tape test in the Air Force. And it's because he was a big dude, right? He wasn't fat. He was just a, like a giant man. Like his, his hands were like twice the size of mine. Um, so what we did is we took a tape and we're like, let's see how, how big your waist is. And we went from hip bone to hip bone and he was 24 inches, hip bone to hip bone. So we, we figured out if he was paper thin, that's two feet. <laughs> if he was paper thin, he would still be 48 inches from one side to the other. Damn. Uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's like that you, you try to lump everyone here. I'll bring you up too. So I'm not just staring at myself here, but you try to bring up, uh, you're the host, man. It's okay. Yeah, that mustache, right. man. You gotta, you, you try to bring up a way to figure out if you're fit enough for service. And, uh, you know, if you weigh a certain amount, then they try to do the BMI. But if you lift weights and you're you're jacked, then your BMI is going to be thrown out. So it's like there's no real way except, um, well, the Air Force is still doing the push-up, sit-ups, run. They're just not doing the tape test, which I, I think is fine to some extent. I think maybe they should do the fat pincher thing. You ever see that? Yeah. Calipers. That might, that might work. Um, in fact, that probably would work uh, more than anything, but that there's a training thing there. Uh, the Army, though, pull up the Army video. This is the new PFT for the Army. I think it's fucking awesome. You want the combat fitness test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring that up. So this is brand new. I think the, the uh, and we can just, you know, kind of jump ahead a little bit here and there. Uh, but the, the idea behind this fitness test is like, look, at your, oh, my gosh. <laughs> If, if that girl passes the test, or I just assume uh, then anyone can. Not that one. That girl looks like she can freaking bench press a tank, but uh, they just showed someone who uh, did not look like they run very much. But Man, yeah, I mean, do. I don't run. I was a jarhead and I didn't run very much. So they do, you know, I think this is great. They do, fast forward a little bit, they do like they're throwing medicine balls, they're carrying weights at like 50 yards, they're doing sprints, all the shit that, like, let's say you're a finance guy. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not expecting to get into a firefight, but your base gets run over. I mean, this is the shit you got to do. Maybe you're going to resupply ammo. Maybe you're going to say, I mean, this stuff is just good. So the army, I think has nailed it. And of course the politicians are starting to get a little, uh, I don't know. They're, they're saying something about it. Probably it's not fair or whatever. I have no idea. The politicians ruin everything. Um, but I think the, the army right there definitely has a good, a good thing because man we were okay you can take that down oh look at these push-ups these are the new push-ups by the way have you ever done those i have not because i don't do push-ups 
course you don't do push-ups. I Jeremy. got a busted shoulder, man. Come on. Excuses. Look, there's a guy behind a you. There's a guy behind you who's a above the knee amputee. Talk to him about it. <laughs> All right, you can take it down. Yeah, so uh, I thought that was some interesting news right there. Uh, Air Force is no longer, where's the camera? Where's the camera? Air Force is no longer going to require the tape test, which I think is a good move, uh, but they are still doing the basic sit-ups, push-ups run, which I guess is better than nothing. Uh, But I think throwing stuff, carrying people, all that stuff is a better idea. Uh, What else is in the news? Um, So you talked about the Air Force being the first service to ditch the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, here's something good about the, the NFL. I have, I'm on a personal boycott of the NFL. I haven't watched a single down. Haven't watched a single snap, single second. Uh, it's my own personal boycott has nothing to do with anyone else, uh, who I may work for or whatever. It's just, um, yeah, for personal reasons, but, uh, this is really good. So, uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. George Kittle. George Kittle tweeted, tweeted, true sacrifice. That's what these cleats represent. So they do this thing where it's like my cleats, my something, and you get to wear like your own custom cleats. Are you familiar with this? Pay yeah, attention. But yeah, yeah. So they have it designed where you can put like a design or something yeah, on you can it. Put whatever you want on there. Yeah, right? yeah. Some people put political statements and stuff. He had it all with all the branches of the military on the cleats. Um, and he, what he wrote was true sacrifice. That's what these cleats represent. It's a privilege and honor at taps.org. I think they're the ones that made it. And the Lamar family, uh, the Lamar family is a gold star family. I think he had the name of um, uh, Sergeant Lamar on there. And this is them right there. Yep, there you go. Thanks to USAA for helping me honor the fallen and TAPS for, for, for providing comfort, care, and resources to their family. Okay, yeah, TAPS is the um, the organization that yeah. takes care of families. Uh, hashtag my cause, my cleats, hashtag salute to serve. So, man, good on you, George Kittle. Uh, I, heard he got, I heard he got throttled last weekend, and I think he's out for the season. Um, and the only reason why I know, I know I said I don't watch uh, NFL right now, but uh, I was looking him up because of that, and I saw something that got sidelined. But man, that just makes me feel better. And hopefully next year, hopefully next year, I'll be able to watch NFL again. It's it's something that, man, I at a normal every, time we'll every, see. Every Sunday, God, I used to love to sit down and watch. I mean, I I honestly miss it, but I can't. If you're if you're kneeling next to my flag, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's your your it's your freedom of speech, uh, and I'll protect that. But um, I draw my lines at some places. So, uh, what time is it? Eight twenty-five. We got some time. You want to go through the uh, the Facebook pages for or the, the River Warriors pages uh, for merchandise? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's pull those up. You pull those up, Jamie. <laughs> Here we go. There's that awesome shirt. Don't that forget is- to get your shirts. I've got. I just ordered my second one. Quite comfy. That's over RiverWarriors.com. Grunt style. Wait, you have two of the same grunt style shirts? I mean, hey, if one goes wrong, I mean, I You're have a backup. You're a weirdo. You're officially a weirdo. Um, bring up the 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 new silkies. I still got to get those new silkies. You have not gotten the new silkies yet? Are you serious? Yeah, I haven't. You know what people don't realize is that I wear silkies as an Air Force guy. I wear them all the time. In fact, I'm wearing them right now. Uh, and, and when we interviewed the uh, Combat Divas, uh, I actually flashed them my lovely uh, junk. I mean, my my... <laughs> <laughs> my silky shorts. What else is what? All right. I'm going to just finish up some of these uh, news stories before we bring in our first guest. Uh, so I think this is good news too. Representative Trent Kelly becomes the highest ranking military member in Congress. So Trent Kelly uh, is a Republican from Mississippi and he pinned on a second star to become the highest ranking service 
person service member in the in Congress. Now, I what I didn't know, I looked that up, and I think it's important, right? So Congress is making some pretty big decisions, right? They're they're going to send us to war uh, if if need be. And for a while there, I feel like we didn't have a lot of representation. And then the last 20 years, you know, we've been uh, in all these wars. We're starting to get combat tested people. And I think it's the when you get all these these uh, veterans who are uh, combat veterans or any veterans for that matter. But in this particular case, when you go overseas, you feel like when you get out, you have to um, uh, serve some more or maybe prevent some mistakes that were made in the past. So he's in there. I looked it up. There is uh, 20, 20% of the uh, Congress. So you, you, you got to remember a little civics lesson. You have Congress, which is the House of Representatives and the, uh, the Senate. You have 20% of the members in the House of Representatives are, are uh, veterans, which is huge because in the, in the public, it's only like well, for GWAT, it's only like 0.45%, 0.5%, and it's like 2 or 3% of the general public. But man, yeah, we're getting more veterans uh, in, in service in another way uh, in Congress. The senators, too. I thought maybe senators would see a little bit lower number there because they tend to be more, more hoity-toity. Uh, no, still 20% of senators. So that 20, I think it's actually like 19 out of the 100 that serve um, in Senate. So I think that's great. So this guy, and he's not the... Um, the highest ranking ever. He's just the highest current serving. Like he's still right. in the guard. Uh, he was an engineer combat veteran. He served in 1991. Of course, he's a two-star. <laughs> he served in the Persian Gulf War, deployed to Iraq in 2005 as an operations officer for the 150th Engineer Battalion. There you go, uh, Jeremy. He returned to Iraq yep. again in 2009 as an battalion commander for Task Force Knight 155th Brigade Combat Team. His awards include the Bronze Stars. Now, yeah, whatever. Uh, and the combat action ribbon. Kelly is one of 91 veterans expected to serve in Congress. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, yeah, that's it. And we have a couple more videos. I'm going to save those to the end because they make yeah. me laugh. Let's bring on our next guest, Earl Granville. He's coming on up now. He's uh, he's off the casting couch and he's sitting down right now. Oh, I so Jeremy, what I want you to do is is uh, toggle between the cameras between me and him. Yep. We're talking. All right, so that's yep. that's your job. <sighs> is he ready? Can you hear me, Earl? How you doing? Nice man. I feel like I know you, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because I never I never knew you. <laughs> I still don't technically know you, but uh, Brandon, uh, one of the guys. So what we try to do is have twenty one gun correspondents. These are people that go on hikes and they interview people, and we can kind of get an idea. Because I can't. You know, I can only make local ones. I'm busy enough as it is. Right. And uh, I heard your interview and I was like, this guy's fucking cool. What a really cool story. Uh, especially Cindy. And we'll talk about Cindy in a minute. Um, not Mama. We're going to talk about uh, another Cindy. But um, <laughs> yeah, so when you edit something, and this happens all the time, like for every minute of of uh, audio you hear in a podcast, there's usually like a two or three or four minutes of editing. So a 10 minute conversation means I've listened to you for almost an hour. And when you do that, you feel like, you know, people. So I do this thing. Like I have all these former guests on the show mm -hmm. and I start texting them as friends. I'm like, Hey, did you see that? And they're like, who's this? I'm like, Oh, um, this is Kevin. I'm a podcast <laughs> host around here. And they're like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So welcome to the show, man. Hey Kevin. Thanks a bunch, dude. Awesome. Uh, what, what branch were you? You were army, right? So yes, I was uh, Pennsylvania army national guard. All right, cool. Uh, my wife's from Pennsylvania. She's from Erie. Okay. I'm the other side of the state, Scranton. Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone knows Scranton because of The Office. <laughs> Absolutely. And I fucking love that show. <laughs> yeah. That show's great, man. I love it too. It, it's 
if you watch the first season of The Office, which is only like, I don't know, 15 years old, maybe 12 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch it. I'm like, holy shit. I can't believe they got away with this stuff. It's <laughs> freaking hysterical. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, they would not last today. No, 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 no. Uh, in fact, I, I believe, I just heard this um, somewhere. I just heard this like uh, the, the other day uh, on um, Gavin McGinnis's podcast, but they're editing out a bunch of stuff. So if you want to watch The Office now, they'd edit out any racial jokes or any, anything like that. And it's like, that's the whole point. The point is it's Michael. Yeah, is that so uncomfortable humor, you know, yeah. unfortunately cancel culture is we're letting it win. And yeah. Yeah. And if you can't laugh at yourself, I mean, come on, right? What's, what's the point? And, and it's not in bad, uh, or what's that word I'm looking for? It's not like malicious. It's just funny, but anyways, Take so a joke, America. Yeah, exactly. So you grew up in Scranton. What made you decide to join the army? So my reason to join the military, um, let me start off by saying I had no desire to serve my country. Honest to God, it was just my attitude at the time. I was a shithead little kid, Um, (laughs) big into music. My twin brother, though, um, yeah, I know we're twins. We were just totally due to uh, two different people. And he was joining and he uh, said, uh, he was in the process of talking to a recruiter already. And he says, hey man, I need a ride to uh, go see my recruiter, all this stuff. He was already in the process. So he's just dropped me off at the armory. I'll walk home. I parked in front of the armory. And who, hey, why don't you come in and meet some of the guys? Uh-oh. See where this is going, right? Yeah, that's what they do, man. That's their specialty, roping <laughs> some young folk. <laughs> well. What my incentive of joining, I feel like, was the college education. I was kind yeah. of like, oh, I got to pay for college somehow, right? Yeah. And Joe and I, we uh, graduated high school, had a nice summer, and we landed in Fort Benning, Georgia, where we're, we're going to become infantrymen, September 1st, 2001. No shit. I didn't realize yeah, you were an no old guy idea. like me. Damn. What's that? I, said, I didn't realize you were an old guy like me. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> nice. See what's it's cool. You look older. I always fit. Shut up. I always feel like <laughs> I have. Uh, I always feel like I have a connection with the veterans that joined. So I joined like same thing. Like it was a few months before September 11th. We all had different motives, right? There's a big difference between joining because you and mine was mine was I was bored. Um, but when you go to uh, you know a lot of these other guys who served after that, it's like no. I it was like Pearl Harbor for them. We saw the towers come down. I was ready to kick some ass. And uh, no, I, I, it was totally, and this sounds bad to say, but my reasoning was totally selfish. <laughs> I was, I was bored. Let's have some fun. You know, looking back at that moment, uh, I feel like that I was pretty selfish too. And it took me, you know, going to combat and I saw the big picture of, yeah, you know, of wearing the uniform. Sure. You know, and we got shipped to Bosnia shortly after. It was the end of the conflict over there. I mean, I think we we're the third last rotation. There was no real threat to us. We were just making sure the civil war, if you want to call it that, wasn't going on over there in Eastern Europe with the Serbs and the Muslims. And uh, so easy deployment, came home, being that I was guard, I started uh, getting that education and we got a warning order for Iraq and it was a volunteer mission for all the guys that were in Bosnia. And I was like, well, fuck this, I don't have to go, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, Joe, on the other hand, he was like, well, I'm gonna go. I mean, he was so much. Joe was so gung ho, like it's just who he is. And 
um, I thought to myself, God forbid, if something happens to him, like, and here I am at school partying it up, like, I better go too. Right? And I got to tell you what, man, it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I became an NCO and I saw the big picture, like joining the military, I made it about, I made it about me. You know right. what I mean? Like, what can I get out of this? And I realized this isn't about me. It's about us. And I understand, like, at the time, we looked at Iraq, very confrontational. Should we be there? Very political. And that bullshit didn't matter. All that mattered to me was my friends that were with me, you know? Yeah. And, and it was a tough deployment. I mean, I feel like my unit, uh, 109th Infantry, we were split in half of my company. We were sent to Al-Assad, where the other half was sent to Ramadi. And this is 2005, like heavy times over there. Yeah, yeah, For bad. a guard unit, we lost seven guys in one platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, six guys in one platoon. And um, Ryan Olsham was in a different company. But five of them in one day. Now wow. think about what that does to a community. Like, yeah. It's heavy times, you know? Yeah, I had... But- I had Jeff Morris on the show. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head which unit he was in, but he was down there around the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he, if you ever read the book, it's called Legion 8. And well, I thought I was wearing the t-shirt, but I'm not. But uh, Legion 8, or no, 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 Legion Rising. Um, really, yeah, that was one of his issues. Like I said, it was right around the same time. And one day he lost like four guys and then within 24 hours another one succumbed to their injuries and then within a day or two someone else got hit and and i think that person was killed off the top of my head uh, i can't remember but um but yeah at 2004 2005 2006 that was some that was some crazy shit over in iraq that's the, those are the years i was there so who knows maybe you were on my plane at some point it's <laughs> always the weird thing i never know who's who you know you, you never know who you've crossed paths with uh it's a small military yeah. i was in kuwait ready to go to iraq and in the phone center there's a guy who was in the bunk next to me in boot camp his last name was gonzalez and yeah. he's on the phone and i'm waiting in line and i didn't give a shit he was on the phone i was like what's up man you know just brought it out and like i know you're talking to your family I just got to say hi. We wrote it out for like 30 seconds and nice. that's the last time I ever saw him. Was but that, it tells you how small the military is. Was that Aliyah Salim? Salam? I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I spent some time there. <laughs> that's Ugh. a shit hole. Um, yeah. So uh, how many deployments did you end up doing? Uh, I ended up doing three. So I did one more after that. Okay. Um, we re-upped our contracts in Iraq. I knew this is a job I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. Like uh, that deployment made me love the military. And I realized this is something I want to do. So after that, I went to, I volunteered for Afghanistan. Same, um, you know, same situation. If you're National Guard, the way how you only, you have to be home for so many days before they make you deploy. Right. But uh, we had another volunteer mission and I was like, fuck this, I'm signing up. I just got my associate's degree. Um, I knew more college was ahead of me, but now's a good time. Hey, line up for another one. Joe, on the other hand, he stayed back. Um, my brother, he started a family and, uh, him and his wife. And he's like, I just can't volunteer for stuff anymore. I think you should stay back until they tell us to go together. And I'm like, fuck this dude, cutting the cord and off I went. And then, um, you know, on this deployment, this is Afghanistan in 2008. And I was attached to an armor unit in the Pennsylvania guard, the 103rd armor and the 55th brigade. And we were what's called the 
Providence Reconstruction Team over there, the PRTs. Are you familiar with those? No, um, but it, it sounds like it, I, I can kind of figure out what it is just by the name. Right. It was a, it was more of a, I guess you could say defensive or humanitarian. So we were the combat arms guys. We were the, the security force for the core PR tier, which is like civil affairs officers, okay. um, U.S. civilian engineers. And they would have meetings with local government of rebuilding parts of the Afghanistan that like maybe building a school for a village or a well. So um, the village didn't have to travel far to get clean water, renovating hospitals. And our job was main, mainly security. And I ended up getting promoted to staff sergeant when I was over there. And I felt like my career was excelling a lot. And there was, being that we would escort the actual quartier PRT, they would uh, sit in the backseat of our Humvees or MRAPs and we would be, you know, just take them to where they got to go, pull security, and that's that. So one specific civil affairs officer, his name is Major Scott Haggerty. Every time he was out on a mission, he liked to be in charge of the vehicle he was in. And I saw on the roster, he was going to be in my vehicle. I knew he was going to take my job as the vehicle commander. I didn't make a, people make sticks about it. I guess I, I didn't make a stick about it. I'm like, whatever, man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be your gunner. And I put my gunner as a passenger, in another vehicle. So I got behind the 50 Cal. It was a four day mission. We're camping out in a different fob. And on that final day, we're leaving the site of the school. And on that way back, we had to take a different route from um, until we had uh, something possibly bad happening on the way back. So pulled out our blue force trackers, found a new route. This is a route we were unfamiliar with, but it looked very open. We're not going through like tiny villages going four miles an hour. So it seemed a lot safer. It was longer, but it was safer. Well, on this route, it's the first time ever. I've been in Afghanistan for three months at this point, and I saw bright green grass for the first time. And I remember coming over the headset, and I said to uh, the guys in the vehicle, I said, who the fuck is watering the grass in Afghanistan? Yeah. You know, like, you just don't see it that much. Like, it was like the little ritzy area of Afghanistan. And, <laughs> you know, the next thing I remember, I saw nothing but black. And you know when you put your head in the water, and it's it's like a faint noise. Like I don't I don't know how else to explain it, but that's the best way I could describe what I was hearing. And I felt a momentum. And I said to myself, "What the fuck is going on right now?" Like in my mind. Next thing I remember, I open my eyes, big beautiful sky. It's like two thirty in the afternoon. Like, why am I looking at the ground? My feet are fucking backwards. Oof. Humvee is completely destroyed. We just hit an ID. Wow. And it, it, yeah, like, you know, I, I had a head injury uh, over in Iraq. And I, I, the only thing I can relate to is the just waking up and not knowing what's going on and where you are. Um, but an IED is a completely different beast from, from my injury there. Like, what? What goes through your head? So you're looking at your feet backwards. Is it kind of like you just rebooted your computer and now everything's starting to kick in? Okay, I know what's going on. Or, or tell me about that whole. Well, in the moment, I like you try to assess the situation. Okay, like like I'm full of blood. 
Like, are we getting ambushed right now? Um, like, is anybody else hurt? Like, I don't even have a working weapon on me to defend myself if we're getting attacked at the moment. You know, so all I, I'm doing right now is literally bleeding out. And yeah. what the fuck am I going to do now? Like, this is it. This is how I'm going to go. Right. You know, I, I, I'm completely useless to everybody else around me, uh, my team. And like, what, what can you do at that point? Yeah. Well, fortunately, um, I remember it was first my, my lieutenant got to me, Lieutenant Naylor, and he says to me, hey, man, I'll be right back. I got to check on the other guys. And the words I said, I was like, hey, man, don't let me die here alone. You know, and, and I always regret saying that to him. You know, I, I'm sure that wasn't a good thing to say at the moment, but part of me thought that was it. And then my buddy, Craig Rains, he ran past me and he said, we're going to get you out of here, Granny, with my last name. That everyone called me Granny. And then uh, the next person to get to me was Doc Jones. So believe it or not, we worked a lot with other branches. And this is Tech Sergeant Eric Jones, a medic in the Air Force. Yeah. He started working on me immediately. Is he a PJ or... No, he was just a Air Force medic. In fact, I don't know if it's just him or just something the Air Force doesn't do. When we would call him Doc all the time, he's like, "Why do you call me Doc?" Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Cause you're a fucking medic." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like he, he didn't. He could have comprehended, man. Here's like, your sign. <laughs> maybe it's just an army thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, it's like in the Air Force, the docs or the medics. Um, I mean. You got to remember, Air Force is like 80% pen pencil pushers, right? And then uh, if you're in operations, uh, it's, let's just say 15% um, would be the remainder there. So 80, where we're at 95. So 15% are flying airplanes. So you don't have a medic. You have a flight surgeon, um, and that's who you would see after you get hurt. But, I mean, if you are if you, if you get hurt in the aircraft, you're kind of SOL. And then you have the – so you have the PJs, and they're like, you know, they're the freaking – top of the line paramedic jump into the ocean or mountain they just save everybody but they are tasked out to like seals actually no they they do their own units um and they go out and they rescue people and then you have the cct's and i'm sure there's medics in the cct world but yeah it's not it's not the same uh air force is a different beast it's a corporation with nukes <laughs> <laughs> i mean you look at their dress uniform it's oh, like you're going to work like where's your fucking suitcase oh, i used to and it's so i know it's it's like uh what do you call that? It's not superficial, but uh, yeah, it is superficial of me to be like, when I joined, I, I honestly had to look at the uniform and I was like, God, maybe I should do a different branch because <laughs> it's so ugly. Um, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so um, I, I'm a PA right now and and I actually just did my CMA in, in uh, we call that continuing med medical education in TCCC. Tell me about the, so the medic got there. I assume, uh, I, all I know is that you're above the knee amputee. I don't know if that happened there or if that happened afterwards. Um, what was the care like on scene and, and how did they get you from point A to, to home alive? So Doc Jones started working on me immediately, pressure dressing on my right leg, slowly bleeding down. Um, and then he did it, put a tourniquet on. And then they put me on a litter and I was carried by Doc Jones, uh, an Afghan police officer, and two of my other soldiers. And they put me behind an MRAP for cover in case anything happened. And they walked me right past two body bags. And that was my buddies, uh, Specialist Derek Holland of Wind Gap, Pennsylvania, and Major Scott Haggerty of Stillwater, Oklahoma, the guy who took my seat. 
Right. So it's like the hell I don't have to complain. So as we're waiting there, waiting for, at this point, they call the medevac chopper. They gave me a shot of morphine in the ass. And um, I started smelling something burning as we're waiting. And they put quick light on me, on my, oh, on my right yeah. leg as well. It seemed like my right leg looked 10 times worse than my left. You know, and for everybody out there, I ended up losing my left leg, but it was internally what you don't work on the battlefield right. is, you know, obviously it's, you know, above their pay grade. So yeah. medevac chopper came before it actually took off. They put me on. They actually put also on an Afghan governor who was in the backseat of our Humvee that they were, we were escorting and before. Uh, one more guy got on there, uh, another Afghan police officer. Uh, he wasn't hurt or anything, but he got in, he got on there just to be the escort for the Afghan that Afghan governor. And Black Hawk takes off, and I remember uh, he's laying to my right in the Black Hawk, and this guy has to be. I, I'm 24 years old at this time. This mm -hmm. guy has to be. Uh, He's probably in his fifties, like he's old. And right. when something like this happens, obviously I think your age tells you, you know, how much you're going to recover with this. And he's obviously in agonizing pain. He's showing it. And I don't give a shit what your faith is or anything like that. All I did was I took my right hand and I grabbed this left and I squeezed it because I don't give up. I know they say don't trust those people or any of that shit on this deployment. I know I won't get into it, but we worked a lot with the locals and it really made me realize you know, a lot different how I looked at them in Iraq. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's important. Uh, Jeremy and I have a good friend, Hamidi, uh, Jazim, who, who worked, I mean, he, he risked his life to save American troops. I mean, they, there's good guys out there. Yeah. I, I get it. You know, I get the, the idea, um, you know, you, you kind of, you paint your, your enemy and you kind of, you know, keep that in your head and, yeah, I get that, but I also and, and I might have been the guy that you're saying now that would have been like, oh fuck them. But now that I know Hamity and I'm starting to learn about the stories of these guys, yeah. And also I think it has something to do with the maturity. You know, you start figuring out that most people most people just want their kids to survive and, right. and that's it. And then oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um sorry, I, I interrupted you. So you're in the helicopter. Are you heading to um, a CASIF or what, what are they, where are they heading? We're probably they to a CASH unit, uh, Bob Salerno. Um, and I remember I was conscious, obviously. And the nurse says to me, as they took us in that little trauma area before they put me in a room, and she says, where's your dog tags? And I said, I, I don't think a lot of guys, they put it around their neck. Like I would put it in my belt loop in my back pocket and she started hounding me like if you weren't conscious right now how the fuck are we gonna know who you are <laughs> like, never thought of that and if, and i'm looking at her perspective her point she yeah. probably gets this all the time yeah, yeah you know what i mean so i'm like well i'm not gonna get fucking mad at you for hounding me right now <laughs> like i get it you know That's so funny. i just verbally told her who i am my social all that shit and there came a moment you know things started to settle down my adrenaline started to wear off. I was by myself for a little bit, waiting for the uh, medevac chopper to come back because it was going to take him to Bagram after that. But just, you know, the, my mind starts racing. And it's just like, what the fuck is going to happen now? Yeah. Like, I can't be an infantryman anymore. Uh, yep. I mean, my career's probably come, come to an end. 
you know, and I knew I was going to survive at this point, you know, mm-hmm. so it's some scary moments just thinking about like, what's the future going to entail? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, that's a big thing. A lot of guys, you know, I, I, I had a guy named Michael Lario. Whoa, got a weird noise. Jeremy. Yeah. Hold on. Doing a camera change. Okay. Keep talking. Keep talking. So we had, um, Mike Lario, he was a uh, special forces uh, officer. And uh, one of the most important things he said was, and I wish I heard this when I first joined, is that uh, you go into the military and you have these plans in your head, but you have to know, you have to keep in those plans that someday it's going to end. Right. Uh, and I had a good friend who had ended on the obstacle course. He fell off a freaking obstacle course in basic and shattered his uh, femur. Um, other folks, you know, they staying for 30 years. So you, you never know when it's going to end and you don't prepare yourself for that. And that can be a major stumbling point for folks who are, who are leaving active duty, whether they, it was their choice or whether it was an IED's choice. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I, you know what, Kevin, yeah, I, I, in my line of work in society, we always talk about post-traumatic stress stress. And I don't mean to interrupt you and cut you up, but I have to yeah. say this. Yeah. What I find with a lot of people, is that lack of fucking purpose when they take that uniform off. Yeah. And it's, you, you know, most of us join us as soon as we become an adult, right after high school. So your whole adult life is combat boots and a rifle. That's mm-hmm. all you fucking know in this completely mm-hmm. different culture than the civilian world. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, um, I find in my line of work too, um, you know, I'll get into this part later. We'll wait till we, uh, you know, but anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just no, had to okay. get that out there. Well, that, no, that, it's okay. I, you cut them off. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was talking last um, last episode, that whole lack of purpose thing. And people are, you know, uh, I don't want to shit on, on some folks, but I think a lot of people get kind of stuck in pity party. I used to be a sergeant of Marine. I used to be a, a Air Force flyer, right? I used to be a, a whatever. Um and now I'm not, and now I'm, I'm this, and you just, you can pity yourself and you can beat the shit out of yourself, but it's, it's, it's like sitting in a rocking chair. You're doing something, but you're getting nowhere. In fact, right. it has more detriment to coordinate the hikes, uh, around the country. That's one, or, or, you know, find another nonprofit or something like I'm a PA and I'm not a PA. That's not my purpose. It's not my, my purpose is being a veterans advocate and working with veterans. And, and it, I know it's easier said than done, but, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Once you find that, uh, I think the the improvement of mental health is is you know second to none. Uh, it's right. just discovering that, and and I think one of the ways of discovering that is talking about it, like you're doing right now. Um, maybe giving information to other people who are like, oh, you know, um, I just did my four years and got out, and now I'm having a pity party, uh, you know. But at least I didn't get ID, or you know what I mean, or whatever the situation is. But yeah, yeah, that's a tricky thing. Um, I'm just looking at my questions here. I want to, there's some things I, I definitely want to get on. Uh, so my next question is, but I, I'm going to jump way ahead here. So sure. I don't, I don't want to, cause <laughs> we're missing a big chunk of your story. Let's just go on. Um, so yep. you're, you're in, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, now you're stateside. Uh, what's it like? What's your transition like? What's, what's becoming a civilian? Actually, you know what? Let's talk about finding out you lost your leg and then, you know, how that affected you in your new world as being a civilian. So eventually I hit Germany and that's where they amputated my leg. And, uh, I remember even asking the doc, like, can I keep it? And he's like, well, you got a choice if you want to keep it or not, but 
you know, it's just going to dangle there. And it was like, no, can I fucking keep the. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. And, uh, and like make a, all I thought it was like Christmas store and make a lamp out of it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Halloween Do fucking that, people. You know? like, awesome. And um, the doc said, no. And my mind is like, there's it's nothing more mine than my body part, asshole. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but to, my truth, you know, I kind of go with your question. I I was very optimistic after this. Like, you know, I had a few days in Germany at Launchdool Air Force Base at uh, the hospital there. And then I finally got to Walter Reed. This is now 2008. The surge in Iraq has already happened. So... Mm -hmm. All around me is soldiers and Marines completely dealing with this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And you think of it as like a somber place, like careers are coming to end, wives are leaving their husband because they can't stand this. Um, so, but it was a complete opposite. And I think people need to know that. Yeah. It's like that warrior spirit never ended. You know, the Army and the Marines are still duking at it. What's the better branch? Nobody likes the Air Force still. Like <laughs> next week on the next episode too, right? <laughs> but transition, I felt like it was good. One of the biggest struggles I know that it wasn't come from me. When I hit Walter Reed, that third day of being there, still in ICU, my um, my immediate family gets a green light to come down. First my mom, first my dad, first uh, you know my mom, and then my dad. And eventually, uh, my, my siblings, and there was Joe, you know, my twin. And I'm feeling good. I'm smiling. I'm laughing and cracking, cracking jokes. And Joe says to me at one point, I should have just gone with you. What do you mean, con with me? I mean, there's nothing you could have done. Like, yeah. roll. I rolled the dice, and this is what happened. But I'm still fucking here. And it's like the guilt he took on. And it was like, hey, man, look, man, I'm here. I'm alive. My nuts didn't get blown off. I'm being pretty optimistic about this, guys. Like, yeah. could have, like, my helicopter's still going. And, you know, trying to get the guy lighten up, dude. Lighten the fuck up. Yeah. But, you know, from my and older brother. Survivor's you know, guilt is deadly. Survivor's guilt is no joke. Um, I know a lot of people that struggled with it. Um, in fact, we're going to do a whole show on survivor's guilt because, um, and I would like to get somebody, maybe a, a social worker or somebody like that who knows more about it than I do. Um, but yeah, I, and I hear that more than pretty much anything. Um, cause I guess you just assume everyone's got PTSD, but <laughs> survivor's guilt, people are like, uh, the people that talk to me about it anyways, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Well, to finally answer your question. Did my rehab at Walter Reed, got my independence back, started walking. Uh, life was good, medically retired, back to Pennsylvania. Um, I was getting ready for a Christmas event with a girl I was dating at the time. Like I'm also, I'm at this point, I'm looking into colleges, like getting back, going for my, my bachelor's and just moving forward. Well, the girl I was dating at the time, she she was a nurse. And every year, the staff uh, of the department she works in, the higher staff takes out the lower staff. And it's uh, like a nice black tie event, end of the year event. Um, you know, thanks for an awesome job, guys. Let's go get it next year. Kind of one of those things. And it's a black tie event. I'm getting out of the shower. 
and put my prosthetic on. I put my um, uh, suit pants on and I'm wearing a t-shirt and I'm just, uh, I'm at the, uh, in the bathroom doing my hair and uh, just get my hair all gelled up and uh, my phone rings and I just let it go to voicemail. So I finished doing my hair, you know, I'll go wash my hands, wash all the jello and I look at my phone and I see it's my mom. So I just listen to the voicemail and she says, you need to call me immediately. So I call my mom up and she picks up the phone and she's crying on the other. I said, mom, what's the matter? Joe committed suicide. Damn. Worst fucking day of my life. How do I get this second chance at life and have my own twin brother take his away? You know, I was just fucking crushed. The next day, let me back up for a second. I got off the phone with my mom and I mean, I hit the ground. I was falling my eyes out. The girl was dating at the time. She heard what my mom said it was loud enough. She was started bawling. I picked myself up and I walked like probably six, seven steps into the kitchen and I opened the fridge and every fucking ounce of alcohol I had, I poured it right down the drain. And I only did that. Look, I grew up with an alcoholic, my old man. And I know if I just went there right then and there, that would have been my life. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I drink now, but I want you to think about this. We sometimes we can't control the bad things that happen in our life, but we can always control how we react. And you know, that wasn't going through my mind at the time, but in retrospect, looking back and what my line of work now, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I'll always remember that. Next thing I did right after that, I went right to my computer and I deleted my Facebook and I just did not want to deal with the, the storm that was about to come, but <laughs> you're going to yeah. fucking have to deal with it. My phone is going off the hook. People are showing up in my apartment, like uh, guys I served with, guys I went to high school with. And obviously I wasn't the only one that was like, mine's fucking blown on all this, you know? And I, I'd pick up my phone only for certain people. Like it's, this is gonna, this is gonna be the worst end of the year of my life in 2010. Like it just, I was just fucking destroyed. Sure. Next yeah. day I had to go to Joe's house. There's his wife, there's his kids and uh, some of my family's there. And if you imagine like the, the energy in the house, like it was just so just fucked up, like, yeah. like confused, anger, all these emotions from everybody. Now, Joe at the time, Joe was a corrections officer, time and deployed. But now in this moment, he, when he, before he passed away, Joe is active guard reserve, AGR. Any guys in the guards and reserve knows what I'm talking about. So he's active duty in a guard unit. He was our training NCO, Alpha Company, 109th Infantry. And so he gets full benefits, all that shit, you know. It's now Sunday the 19th, like watching everybody like this, what do we do now? And I'm, I, I like, I just started working. All right, hey, the aren't, um, like next day, people are at the armory. Okay, boom, I went up to the armory. There's my old writing this NCO, Sergeant Peterson. 
gave us condolences. The other room, there's my brother's desk. I just got a box star put stuff in it. Hey, Sergeant Peterson, Joe gets benefits. Oh, he does. Let's start filling out some paperwork right now. You, I need you to go to supply. I want you to make sure all Joe's awards are in order. It's going to be an open casket. You, I need you to go with me to Priest Funeral Home in Carbondale. You're going to help me talk to Paul Bear there. Uh, Mr. Paris, and we're going to get that situated in order. Joe's a Catholic, so we're going to start the process with St. Rose Church. And I just started delegating all these tasks. Mm -hmm. Just keep myself busy. Like, you know, I, I, I barely eat those few days, and I just, this all this shit has to get done. And I'm not even, pro like, here I am trying to do what I feel is right, so my family doesn't have to deal with this headache. And... I started doing all this work and I'm not even processing that my own twin brother just killed himself. Does that make sense? It really does. Um, we have this, this common topic that comes up and, uh, it's veterans can't, we can't go and try to lay down on a hammock out back for, for two hours, right? Veterans can't do that. We're always trying to figure out what to do. And it's a form of self-medication or self-medicating because hmm. if you're busy, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to address it. You know, you, I'm too busy to address the situation that's going on. And man, I mean, almost every veteran I know goes through it. I, I, I buried all my shit for, for 12 years by staying as busy as I could possibly be. And then it only took one day where, well, I would, let's just call it a month where things were slow and then all the shit came right back. Um, but yeah, I mean that to me, that's what it sounds like you were doing. Um, you know, obviously honoring your, your brother and, and, um, you know, getting all that stuff in order, but at the same time, I mean, if you stop and you think and it's quiet and there's nothing going on around you, um, stuff, your brain has a great way of being like, Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? And like, I don't know. Am I I'm telling you, man, it, um, <laughs> it, I'm out in public and wearing shorts. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Lost your leg. Right. And yeah. I don't bring it up, you know? I'm just like, um, you know, I don't bring up my whole story. I just, oh, it, it's been 12 fucking years. I don't remember what it's like having two legs. Like, life is good. Life is yeah. very good. Like, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to tell you how I got into this positive mindset now, man. But okay. in that moment, Joe's funeral came, got my dress blues, walked up to the casket, give that final salute, give him a kiss on the forehead. That's that. Now what, Kevin? Yeah. You know, when they say idle hands is the devil, mm -hmm. it's absolutely right. My mindset went right back to when I first joined the military, making it all about me, playing a victim, feeling sorry for myself, thinking the fucking world owes me everything. And let me ask you, Kevin, where's playing a victim get you in life? Yeah, it gets you nowhere. Self-pity. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you start, and you can become whoever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm fully, uh, I, I fully embrace that. So, if you have yourself a pity party for ten years, uh, you'll be that pitiful person. I mean, that's that's who you're telling your brain to become. So, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. It was uh, 2011. Was just a tough year. That Uncle Rico syndrome of living in the past. Yeah, that is something we talked about before. Like. You know, you know what I did for my country? In reality, nobody owes a shit. Yeah, you know, you're 100% like, right. There's you as your own, as an individual, you have to make your own way. Mm -hmm. Well, as I was moving forward, you know, Joe's wife, you know, Joe and I, we never had the relationship to compliment each other, but Joe was like in the process 
of me going through my physical rehab. And I learned how to snowboard again. I play sled hockey for an all-wounded veteran sled hockey team, the USA Warriors. Um, you know, life was good at the time. And then when Joe passed away, it all came crumbling down. But after mm -hmm. talking to his wife, you know, I guess Joe was proud of things that I was accomplishing physically. And that, like, well, would it be proud of me now? Because I'm acting like a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. And this pushed me to challenge myself physically more and more. I uh, got very involved in CrossFit, uh, started running obstacle course racing. You know, I was one of those guys, like, everyone shares a photo. Oh, my God, the guy on one leg's doing shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but, like, it was – I was doing this in honor of my brother. You know what I mean? And I and it started filling my life, like, with a passion, physical fitness, right? And what this led me to do – my first ever Spartan race was in Wintergreen, Virginia. And my friend Amanda Sullivan, she asked me to, uh, I want to do a Spartan race with me. Now, Amanda has a civilian permanent disability on crutches. And I, I was like cocky, like, yeah, yeah, I'll do a Spartan race. Sure, why not? I've done Tough Mudders before, and those were longer, you know. But going to Wintergreen, Virginia, not realizing this is like a ski resort. So it's like these huge mountains. And the yeah. night prior, we're driving up there, and I'm like, we have to run up these mountains, right? <laughs> like, this is going to suck. Yeah. How would I prepare for something like this? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the morning of the race, I'm going to pick up my bib, and there's these men and women in multi-cam uniforms. And uh, who are these guys? You know, Somebody walks up to me with their hand out and shake my hand, and they say, are you Earl? And... Uh, I look up and I know who this person is. His name is Noah Galloway. And if you, anybody who doesn't know Noah Galloway out there, he was Hunter First Airborne in Iraq. His vehicle hit in a roadside bomb and he lost his left arm and left leg in the process. And he was on Dancing with the Stars and Men's Health Magazine. I know. And so in my mind, I'm like, I know who this fucking guy is. Like, <laughs> I think in the little like, military amputee community like to me i look at noah like a rock star and not so much like well what he's accomplished but his humility like how he carries himself so like as i fangirl a little bit shaking his hand holy shit no i know who you are oh my god you know and he says to me do you want to run with us i'm like who are you guys and i was like we're operation during warrior we help honor and monitor excuse me, honor, empower, and motivate wounded and disabled veterans to continue to live an active lifestyle after their injuries, not let their injuries define who they are. And what I think is most important, be part of a team once again. Right? So we walk up to the starting line. Before we get there, move to a side, the whole team, after meeting all of them, they huddle, they huddle up, and they have little soul packs, and they pull out a gas mask. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I don't fucking have to do that, do I? <laughs> But I ran along these uh, men and women. And at the time, wintergreen was one of the most hardest things I've done after I lost my leg. And afterwards, Noah says to me, um, and what do you think about joining us? And I'm, I'm like, I'm not ready for something like that. But, you know, I, that Eminem song, um, the one he wrote with 8 Mile, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, Mom Spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that song. What's he say right in the beginning? I was thinking of that. Like, if you get a chance, are you going to take it or are you going to let it fly? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, if Noah Galloway, a guy I respect so much, is asking me to join this team, 
you know, it's like I follow the Chicago Bulls my whole life, and Michael Jordan has just asked me to be in a pickle game. You don't turn it down. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now you don't just join the team. You have to go through an indoctrin, and it's it sucks. You know, every masked athlete on the team is current or former military, and they are our third phase is the indoctrine in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And they just put us through hell, the rest of the team. They look at evolutions. How do you work as a teammate? How do you work in individual evolution, like your physical you know, capabilities? And 50% of my class failed, but I passed. And for the first time, Kevin, my mindset went right back to that. It went to that Iraq deployment. This isn't about me. It's once again about us. And what I found, and I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, you know, once again, I'm part of a team. And, you know, I realized, like, I don't need a uniform to serve my country. I could be doing it, like, right here in my community, work for charities. And this whole philosophy and what I do now is, um, you know, becoming a public speaker, discussing my story of healthy ways to battle adversity. Because mentally, not just seeing, I saw a counselor for a while. And I still do once in a while. You got to recharge those batteries. Let's be real. Um, but I, I realized, you know, as human beings, not just veterans, but as human beings, three P's we need in our life. We talked about the first one. We need a purpose. We also need a passion. And we must be part of something bigger than ourselves. Now think about the military. My purpose, I was a soldier. My passion, I was an infantryman. I was a you know, infantry is the best, you know, and part of something bigger than yourself, self-explanatory, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like we talked about before, we become adults. This is all we know. And all of a sudden, those days are going to come to an end, whether you want it to or not, you know? Yeah. You're going to have to take that uniform off. I truly believe as human beings, our veteran community, we need to refine those three Ps, all right? How do we find, how do we do that? Attitude. We must have a good attitude because if you have the Uncle Rico dysfunctional veteran mentality, you're not going to find what you're looking for in your life. Comfort zone. You have to step out of it because if you stay stagnant, you'll never find what you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And number three, what I found working for these charities, uh, Operation During War, the Oscar Mike Foundation, Warrior Strong, the power of what a community can do. And I look at River Warriors, IW, you guys. And for what I see, I've only I've only been on. Uh, this is going to be my second Silky hike this uh, this this weekend here in Key West. The first one I did in Philadelphia in, in right. uh, July. And what I see is that camaraderie, that community. You know, the sure. ball busting, ball tapping your buddy next to you. You know what I mean? Like just the, the fun shit you miss when we wore the uniform. It's yeah. funny how civilians look at us like, oh, my God, thank you for your service. You're a hero. I'm like, well, I was drinking on my buddy's prosthetic leg last night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I used to always joke or not even joke. I would ask people. I'm like, what what, uh, what does thank you for your service mean to you? There was something that because I used to get pissed if someone came up to me and I'm like, hey, so what did you do? Or I don't know if somehow they knew I was in the military. I'd be like, oh, I, I, you know, I was in the Air Force and blah, blah, blah. They, they then stop and they, they're like, oh. Thank you. 
thank you for your service. And you're like, get out of here. I didn't do it for you. I was like, oh, that dude, I'm going to go fight some Nazis for him. No, it was, they did it for me. <laughs> so it's like, don't thank me. Um, One of the things I feel are in society is you want to know the truth. This is just my opinion and people may disagree. I feel society treats us very well compared to like, you know, sure. 50 yeah. years ago, you look at yeah. the, Vietnam veteran, blue collar in his mid twenties, just uh, loving his life and doing what he loves to work. And all of a sudden he gets a letter saying, forced to join the army and you're going to a foreign land and you're going to fight some fucking goops, yeah. you know? And like, they didn't want to go in the first place. Then they come home and they get treated like shit. Like, yeah. That's that, that was a shame what we did to them. And, and that's why I love on these silky hikes. Every time we get a, a um, Vietnam guy, out there it's like uh i don't know part of me hopes that this gives them you know maybe some sort of closure my dad did it my dad's a he was navy so he was vietnam era him and his three buddies who two of his buddies were like we're just gonna wait for the draft letter my dad's like i'm gonna join and join the navy um he lived his two buddies died over in vietnam so it's like yeah it's one of those things and um yeah i i just hope that you know that's that may be something or another aspect of irreverent warriors that we don't think about is getting these old timers out there and and right. uh, you know giving them the, the accolades that they deserve oh absolutely maybe, i mean yeah. i just i gotta tell you you know as somebody who lost his leg overseas and then just like the way how society like in the beginning when this happened i felt like i was on a friggin' pedestal you know and it's yeah. and i'm humbled by it like i don't need it but I'm definitely humbled the way how society treats us. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a lot different back then. And sometimes I always, I, when we hear the, uh, people say, we're not helping our veterans enough. You know, since 9-11, there's so many nonprofits out there. There's oh so God. many Thousands. different like avenues mm-hmm. of finding that purpose that we discussed before. Yeah. You know, all I ask is for our brothers and sisters out there who wore that uniform that were lost. Look, mm-hmm. understand, you have to take that leap out of the comfort zone. Yeah. You have to, you don't want to be, you know, 60 years from now on your deathbed and say, uh, somebody asked you, it's like, what'd you do with your life? Oh, I was in Iraq. What else did you do with your life? Yeah, yeah. That's 14 months. There's, yeah. there's a lot more other, you know, other things. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. out there, take that leap. You know, I think the easy part was, Signing up and getting yelled at by a drill sergeant. That was yeah. the easy part. You yeah. know, becoming an adult after you take that uniform off, that's a hard part. The greatest thing, though, in this era, in our society, and our brothers and sisters here with us, we have to understand we, you will, don't have to carry that weight by yourself. Yeah. You know, there's, we, we want to see people succeed. You know, we, we want to see our brothers and sisters get out there and tackle the world, whatever it has to be. But you have to take that leap. Yeah. And you also have to take some responsibility in your healing, right? You have to do, um, you know, you know, if you've got demons, right? People know they can act like they don't, but they, they, it's very apparent, apparent when you have them. And it's very apparent the, the decisions you make are around those demons. And the, the shitty part is in order to, to improve, you have to face them. And they're called demons for a reason because they're awful, they're ugly, they're painful. Um, but you have to, you can't bury it. I thought I could bury it my entire life. I thought, yeah, I don't have to deal with this shit till I'm 75 and retired, and then maybe I'll go see the 
the vet counselor or something like that. No, you, if you don't address it, it will slowly eat you alive. Um, right. and it could take a while. It could take, and that's, that's, that's on you, right? That's on you. You can say, you can have a pity party. You can, you know, oh, poor me, poor me. But if you want to get better, I mean, it's, it's what we did in the military. If you want to be an NCO, you got to work for it. If you want to be airborne, you got to work for it. If you want to go into the special forces, you got to work for it. It's just not going to come to you. Um, and you might think you have your act together, but uh, trust me, trust me. Once they get into your head, those freaking therapists, uh, they, they figure out all the shit that's wrong with you. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, one thing, it's not just military, but as human beings, I feel like we're so afraid to be vulnerable. And oh God. Yeah. I still am. It's a four letter word, man. And I'm working through it every day. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. That vulnerability could save your life to the right people. I'm not saying every single person you interact with, you got to like spill your guts out yeah, but yeah. in the right environment. That's why I saw a counselor, man. It helped yeah. me so much. Like I found my three P's. You know, my purpose now is I'm a public speaker discussing my ideas of what we're talking about now. My passion now is physical fitness and part of something bigger than myself. These organizations I work for, Operation During Warrior, the Oscar Mike Foundation. And uh, it it finds joy in my life. It keeps yeah. me active. It keeps me busy. And just being a part of the community. You know, it's I. what I can't stand is when I some of these veterans that put themselves on a pedestal only because I was there once before. I've done this before. Believe me. I put myself on a pedestal 2011. Like I said, it was real fucked up, you know, but you know, I, I got my shit together and you know, after my brother died, finally it took me a little while. And I realized that like, you know, I can't live my life like this. Mm -hmm. Like nobody gives a shit about my service. They don't. You know, yeah. maybe that's a harsh word to put, but in reality, let me put it differently. Nobody owes us anything. Yeah. No one gives, uh, and no, you're absolutely right. They, they might give a shit on veterans day. Um, but when you're at work, I mean, you can say, Hey, in the air force, we do, they don't give a shit. They, they, they got their own stuff going on. Thank you for your service. All right, now let's get the job done. And yep. yeah, it's very, very common. That's a big complaint is, you know, people have a hard time working with civilians, especially in the, 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 uh, working world. And Again, that's your problem at this point. If you're letting it get to you, that's your problem. That's something that you haven't squared away with. Um, right. Yeah. Hey, Earl, okay. I just realized we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. So let me wrap I, things up right yeah, here. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just looked down. I just saw that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm looking at a little timer here. So something that I'm, I I brought on the first Silky's Hut. Yeah, Cindy. And something that uh, you know, I, I'm going to bring it out this time too. So in the Oscar Mike Foundation – um we bring this out with us one of these with us so this is cindy the center block wah, wah, wah. <laughs> what cindy represents is that heavy mental adversity ladies and gentlemen you know civilian military anybody the heavy weight of adversity that holds us down stops us from enjoying life you know guilt stress depression anxiety all those things that just destroy us in life you know and hold us down us as humans, we're pretty damn resilient. We can figure it out. But also, just like humans, we can get lost. What's my next step? What am I doing now? I've never had to deal with something like this. And like we talked about before, that vulnerability, especially in our military, they don't like to show it. Mm -hmm. Well, in the Oscar Mike Foundation, when we take this out, I'll show up at a starting right at a race. And I'll run the first mile with it or so, whatever. 
and it gets pretty damn heavy. Yeah. Luckily, I have teammates around me, and I look at my buddy, and I say, hey, man, want to help me carry this? And I pass that off to, to him right here, and it's an understanding that <laughs> now he's carrying it, or we'll both carry it. Here, you carry the brick, I'll carry the chain. <laughs> but the idea is we don't have to carry it by ourselves. Yeah. And that's the same up in here. Yeah. Remember that bullshit that's holding you down in life. You don't have to carry it alone. You don't have to carry it by ourselves. Absolutely. And she's going to be out on the hike on um, Saturday. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Earl freaking, where, where do you want to send people? If you could send uh, people somewhere, your, your Instagram, you an Insta model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want to find me on Instagram, if you have any questions at all, um, my Instagram handle is Earl Granville. My Facebook handle is Granville Earl, or even my email, earl.granville at gmail. Cool. Um, by all means, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions at all, look, I, I can't stress it enough. Find that new purpose in our life. And understand, if you're struggling finding it, you don't have to find it by yourselves. I mean, yeah. build those relationships. Find those you know, those people in your life that you could share that vulnerability with. And you may be saving a life too. You don't even know about it. Just being a decent human being to other on these hikes, ball tap your buddy, and you made a friend. There you go. Where's it going to go from there? Yeah. Yeah. Thank and you so we, much for having me, guys. Absolutely. We learn a lot from each other too. And, um, you know, that's, I, I had Rudy Reyes on, oh gosh, it was last year at some point. And I think one of the best things about, about folks like that, right? So these high performers, these, these, uh, he was a, a Marine recon, but is hearing their vulnerability. Cause when you realize the guys that you look up to are also vulnerable, then it, it means it's okay. Right. Cause what do we do? We look at everything that the people we respect do and we try to emulate it. Uh, it's, it's human nature. It's what we've been doing for thousands of years. And when you talk about it, when you normalize it, when you normalize something like, are you kidding me? A year ago, I would never tell anyone I was in therapy. That'd be like a, Oh God, what you're in therapy. And now that I've gone through it, I know what it, what it can do. Um, absolutely. 100%. I'll talk about it to anyone who wants to talk about it. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's, um, you know, it's just, it's to me, it's just like if you had PT for a, a, a lost limb, you know, you got to learn how to move again, I guess in this case, uh, mentally, but, but yeah, man, I really appreciate it. I want to have you on again because I want to talk about your, uh, your bid for Congress. Uh, I think, I think what I'm going to do is have a bunch of, we talked about this earlier and when the show started, but you weren't on the mics so, or, uh, the headset. So you probably didn't hear, um, there's 20, 20% 20 of the members of, of the house right now are former or, or veterans and 19 out of, so 19% of the, uh, Senate excuse me, uh, of the Senate are, are veterans. So it's, it's, it's becoming a thing. It's becoming a thing and it, they're, they're way overrepresented and that's good. Um, so yeah, but, uh, Jeremy, any, uh, any last announcements about the hike on Friday silkies, you can still show up to the silkies and sequins. You just can't have the buffet. Correct. So people who still want to show up and, and show off their get up, you can still show up. It's just the tickets are primarily for those who paid for basically dinner. Um, and it's going to be a good time. Just, you know, come knowing that you have to wear your face mask that is required down here everywhere you're everywhere you go, even out in public. Um, yeah, I know we want to breathe and everything, but down here it's required. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's looking to be a good weekend. The weather looks great. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Nice. 
Nice. Uh, I will keep everyone posted on December 17th, but I'm sorry, December 15th. But remember, if you were in this area, go down to Mike's bar, spend some money, um, get some free food. It's going to be a good time. Uh, December 17th, we will find out who the smartest branch is. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and, uh, I can't think of anything else. I don't know. Uh, Godspeed, General Jaeger. And uh, with that, let's end this show. I need a song to play us out with. I don't have a Either song. Either that or you want to do a quick video or do you want us to do a song? Hey, do you want to do the the Air Force video? The It's the Army oh, dude. That's... the pilot? Yes, let's do that so, one right now. Thing, right? So the guy who does this, his, his air crew impersonation is spot on. It's yep. spot. That's what we used to. We'd come out to the plane. The Army was all packed in there. We'd be like, hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, excuse me. Uh, right? Just uh, go here. Okay. <laughs> Just put it on and, and everyone will understand what we're talking about. Chuck Yeager, you know, Chuck Yeager's a stud. <laughs> yeah, we had good times, man. Um, I mean, what else can I say? It's the Air Force. It's the freaking corporation. But there are some of us that do badass things. <laughs> oh, well. All right, you guys. PJs? What's that? You mean PJs? I mean flyers. I mean aviators, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Here. Wait, wait. And you're flying off air. <laughs> All right. With that, we will end the shit show for this week. We will see you guys maybe on Tuesday. I don't know. Stay tuned, but definitely on Thursday. So without. Uh, guys, thank you for having me, man. Take care. Yeah, Sully, Jeremy, Kevin. Yeah, we got to meet sometime. We'll hang out. Absolutely. All right. Cool. All right. Take care, everyone. Set the place on fire.